Everybody say praise the Lord. You should have your handouts in your hands at this time. I'm going to adjust our mic here a little bit by bumping it up, making it a little bit bigger where you can see it on the screen more. See if I can get it there. Push that up a little bit. And then we'll we'll hit a focus button here. Here's the focus. Automatic focus. All right. And that's what you have in your hands. And we want to talk to you here today on the subject of faith in action. Faith in action. This is a Bible study that I have been inspired on here for uh, several weeks. I just haven't gotten to you with it yet. And... Uh, <clears throat> And I'm going to start out by talking to you about the uh, the thing that brings about faith from our heart is the grace from God. God's grace must be followed by our faith. And uh, so we're going to talk to you here a little bit about it. And I want you to turn with me to, if you would please, to uh, to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Ephesians 2 and 8. Stay with me very closely on this. I'm going to give you some very good things here tonight. Praise the Lord. 2.8 in the book of Ephesians. It simply says this, For by grace are you saved through faith. By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, grace is the unearned favor of God. It is God's goodness to us when we have not earned it, when we don't deserve it, we have no rights to it, we have no reason that God would say, I'm going to give you my goodness and my love and mercy and save your soul. We have no, we have no guarantee of anything. But whenever that grace of God is extended toward us, it must be responded by faith on our part. Faith is our response to God's grace. Now, I'm going at seeing it real slow, and I know it sounds real simplistic, but I don't want anybody to miss this because there are people who believe that we are simply saved by faith. If I believe that Jesus Christ, you know, was a person who lived 2,000 years ago, then I'm saved. That's the Bible says, by faith you're saved, you're saved. And faith is all up here. No, no, no. Uh, many, many years ago, uh, Martin Luther, who was a Catholic priest, went to Rome and was so happy to be going to the city where the presence of God would be so dynamic, only to find out that it was, it was in chaos. It was, it was, it was sin city. And Martin Luther left there. He was a German. He went back to Germany. And he got down on his face before God and he prayed and he sought the Lord and he got his Bible that was only written in Latin and also in the Greek if you're with the, if you were the Orthodox Church. And only in Latin in the Western European, European people. And consequently, when he started reading it in Latin, he said, well, we're nowhere near where this book teaches us to be. So he started studying it, and he pulled away from the Catholic Church, established what we know today as the Lutheran Church, in 325, in, uh, I'm sorry, in, uh, in 
October the 31st, uh, 1517, he nailed those 95 theses on the door of the church in, in Edinburgh, Germany. And uh, on that, he stated all the things that needed to be changed, and he became known as the Protestant or Protestant. He protested the Catholic Church, became a Protestant, so the Protestant movement began. Now, he always simply said this because of the works that was promoted by the Catholic Church. Uh, Martin Luther said, "We are saved by grace. We are pardon. We are saved by faith alone. There's no place in the Bible where it says we are saved by faith. It does not say we're saved by faith alone. Praise the Lord. No place it says that. But he established that because he was." opposing the other so forcibly. I won't get into all that. That's all in church history and so forth. And, of course, uh, other Zwingli came along behind him and supported him. And then there was, uh, you know, other Reformation leaders and so forth, John Knox, all those people. I'm only saying this today to say this to you, that the Lord wants us to understand that we are saved not by faith but by grace. Grace is the unearned favor of God, and the grace of God is Calvary. Grace is he came to this world, and he did all the good things that he did and went to Calvary and shed his blood and gave his life for us when we didn't deserve it. We had no right to it. And he gave us that wonderful grace, but it must be received through faith. We have to respond by faith. Praise the Lord. So we're saved by grace. And I'm reading this verse of Scripture in Ephesians again, 2.8. For by grace are you saved. Not faith. Are you, by grace are you saved through faith. Our faith in believing the Lord's plan of salvation for us, that he loved us and he wants us to be saved, and our response to that grace. And I'm going to be talking to you about that response in a minute. The response to that grace, praise the Lord, is what the Lord sees and what the Lord honors and what the Lord compliments on our part. Praise the Lord. Now, let me read you one other verse of Scripture. This is one found in Romans, and it pretty well confirms the same thing. And it says that, By whom also we have access by faith unto this grace. Notice that. We have access by faith unto this grace. This grace is that unearned favor of God, that favor of God, God saying, I love you, I paid the price on Calvary, now you can be saved, that unearned favor. And we have that, praise the Lord, by our by us act, activating faith to believe Jesus Christ for all of these kind of things. Now, we've got uh, the scriptures here that I'm going to get into here. So the the definition of grace, it's the unearned favor of God. And faith is our response to God's grace. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you examples of that in Jesus' earthly ministry. And I want you to go with me here to Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. And I'm going to hit and miss on a few verses along the way here and just get, talk to you a little bit from my heart here tonight. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> and again, he entered into Capernaum. This is Jesus in his earthly ministry, and he was healing everywhere. That healing that he was doing 
was his grace. It was his grace that he was extending everywhere. Again, he entered into Capernaum, which was a city on the Sea of Galilee, on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. After some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Now, he was in a house, and it was very thronged with people. Verse 2, straight away, many were gathered together insomuch that there were not no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Jesus was preaching people who came in the house. They packed the door and they were outside the house and they nobody could get in there. It was packed full. Verse 3, and they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy. That's a paralyzation. He was paralyzed. Sick of the palsy, which was born of four, carried on a little cot of some type. Four men had love, compassion, mercy for this man who was paralyzed on a cot. And he brought him to Jesus and tried to get into the house. But the crowd was so thick and the door was jammed full of people. They couldn't get in this way, couldn't that way, let alone one person getting in there. They couldn't even get five of them in there. Four guys carrying a cot with a guy. And they were trying their way to the best that they could do it. And uh, look at verse 4. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, that's the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. They went up on top of the house. Now, the roof that they had was those tiles, tiles that had a framework, and then they had tile laying on top. And what they did was to pull those tiles all away. And when they had, and in verse 4, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. They let the bed right down in the middle where Jesus was, was sitting teaching and doing what he was doing. He wasn't healing anybody at that point, just teaching. Look at verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, their faith. Now, grace was already at work, but now he saw their faith. Let me say one word here. It wasn't the man that had this, was sick of Paul's faith that, they, that Jesus saw. It was those men, those four men that brought him there. Can I just tell you, sometimes people get so sick, folks, that they can't have faith hardly for themselves. That's why we need each other in a time of need like that. You have a brother or a sister that's sick and afflicted and uh, or going through some trials and tests. And you say, well, just keep praying. Just keep praying. Keep... No, no, no. You pray with them. Pray with them. Pray for them. And keep on holding them up and pray in their place sometimes. And that's why we need each other. Sometimes you you can't do it yourself. You just... It's more than what you can handle, but somebody is praying for you. And you can thank God for that. And it's that faith that they have. Lord, I believe you. Praise the Lord. I know what you're able to do for my sister, for my brother, or whoever it is that you're praying for. And I just want to say here, it wasn't the man's faith that Jesus saw. It was their faith. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said in the sick of the palsy, Some thy sins be forgiven thee. Now... <clears throat> Now, Jesus healed us their sins. I'm not going to get into this detail. 
but Jesus healed their, he, uh, Jesus uh, forgave him of his sins because there were Sadducees and Pharisees sitting in scribes sitting inside that were trying to pick away at his words to find something they could accuse him of. And he knew that they were looking for it, and so he gave them something. They gave them something. So instead of saying, you're healed, he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Oh, well, my goodness, alive. He, I mean, he popped their balloon. And uh, they, they, they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Only God can forgive. And, and Jesus went into that, and he said, who can forgive sins? But only, it's only God can forgive God's sins. Now, I'm going to jump on down to verse 11 because Jesus popped their balloon. And he showed that he could forgive sins. Now in verse 11, then he said unto the man, after he had told those other people uh, uh, that he had power to forgive sins on earth. Verse 11, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way unto thy house. Now Jesus healed this man on the faith that was manifested there, the faith in action on the part of these four men. Now notice here, folks, when they went to the door of the house and they couldn't get in, they said, oh, well, is that what they said? Oh, well, it can't happen. It just will have to walk away. No, no, no. They had to put that faith into action. We got to do something about it. If you know that you're not saved, do something about it. Don't just do nothing. Praise the Lord. Say, I got to do something about this situation I'm in. Praise the Lord. And sometimes we have to just take an action. Praise the Lord on the strength of our faith. Lord, I believe you. I'm going to get saved. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to clean up my act. I'm going to get rid of the cigarettes I'm smoking. I'm going to get rid of drugs I've been on. I'm going to get rid of, and I can go on and on. I'm going to quit drinking. Whatever it is. A woman came to this altar one time to be prayed for. She said, I'm an alcoholic. I said, all right, I'm going to pray for you that God will take all the habit away from you and you'll never want another drop in your life. I'm going to pray for you. God will take the desire away from you. But she said, oh, no, I want to be able to drink once in a while. I just don't want to be an alcoholic. <laughs> I said, it doesn't work that way. No, no. She said, no, no. I, she, she actually told me that. No, no, she said, I want to be able to drink once in a while, you know, and when I, when I want to drink. I just don't want to be an alcoholic and be so addicted that I just, I just can't get away from it, you know. I said, no, it doesn't happen that way. Either it's all or nothing. That's the way it is with God. Isn't that right, folks? It's all or nothing. Praise the Lord. Let me move on here. So Jesus healed this man and, uh, <clears throat> he did took up that grape because he saw faith in action. And what they had done. Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to go to, to uh, Mark 5. I've been in Mark 2 there for just a moment. But go to Mark 5. <clears throat> and uh, I want you to look with me in 22, verse 22. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. This is Jairus coming to Jesus. And verse 23, besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. Notice that. 
I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Now, notice here that he believed in the Lord. Okay, the Lord's grace was that he was healing people. And his response to that grace was his faith that if Jesus would come and lay his hand on his daughter, his daughter would be healed. He believed that. I'm just pointing out to you here that his faith was his response to God's grace or God's goodness given unto him. And verse 24 in the very first line says, And Jesus went with him. And here they went together. And Jairus was so happy. If I can just get Jesus there, I know without a shadow of a doubt that my little girl will live. I know that. He had that kind of a faith. And they were on their way walking through the crowds, big crowds. Now, look what happens. Look at verse 24. Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him, just crowded, crowded, pushing, pushing. And a certain woman, now everybody give me your attention here. In the middle of this movement of going to Jairus' house to pray for this dear little girl that was sick and was dying, very sick, and would have, and was at the point of death. And Lord, if you come and I know if you pray, it should be all right. Okay, we, Jairus, if I can just get in there. In the middle of all of that, <clears throat> verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but, but rather grew worse. This woman was in a very terrible shape. Now, I won't go into detail here, but in Leviticus chapter 15, it talks about uh, the, not only the sickness that she had, but also the social stigma of it. She had to stay away from crowds. She had to stay away from people. She had to stay away from society is what I should say, not crowds. She had to stay away from society. Now, verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now, what happened when she heard about the Jesus and all the people pushing and shoving, she pushed her way, weak, frail, uh, socially outcast almost in, in this, this kind of situation. And she pushed her way through and said, if I can just touch the, his garment. Now, I think Matthew said, if I can touch the hem of his garment. Luke said, if I can touch the border of his garment. <clears throat> Mark says, if I can just touch his garment. So somewhere in there, she pushed through that crowd and got her hand in through all those people's feet, legs, and touched, just touched the hem of his garment. Just touched it. And this woman, praise the Lord, she was in bad shape. When she had heard Jesus come, she pressed him for it. She said, if I could but touch the camera's clothes, I'd be behold and hold the fountain of her youth. The, verse 29, and the straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed. She knew it. Something happened of that plague. Verse 30, and Jesus immediately knew in himself that virtue had gone out of him. 
turned him about, turned himself about in the press, crowds of people, and said, Who touched my clothes? Wow. Who touched my clothes? Are you kidding? All these people pushing and shoving and pushing and trying to get to him and everything. And he's walking in the end. And, and who touched his clothes? Now look at verse 31. And his disciples said to him, Thou seest a multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that socially she had pushed it to the edge, really, trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Verse 34, and he said unto her, daughter, notice that. The Lord didn't say woman. He said, daughter, what a kind way to address this woman and her bad and very serious situation. He says, daughter. He didn't say woman or lady. He said, daughter. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to show you here this great grace of Jesus, love and compassion and his work, working until they, they just pulled it out of him. And people are responding with this grace and this, I mean, this faith to his grace. And I'm pointing out to you here that all of these were actions of, great, of, of, of faith on their part. She had said unto herself, if I could just touch his garment, I know I'll be healed. That was her faith on her part of the grace of God that was going out to anyone who would get close to him and seek him out. And, uh, and he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith, notice that. Your response to my grace, go in peace and be whole of thy plague. What a wonderful and beautiful story. We could stop right here and just shout over that one. Uh-oh. Look at the next verse. Verse 35. Jairus is still standing there. Jairus is trying to get Jesus through the crowd. While it's shouting time here, there's curtains over here. Look at verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain ones which said, Thy daughter is dead. In other words, it's all over with now. It's too late. It took too long to get there. It's dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. That faith is coming back into the picture again. Grace is still working from Jesus' standpoint, and he's saying now to this, to this, uh, the head of the synagogue, this ruler of the synagogue, can you keep on believing? Oh, no, the baby's dead. The child's dead. No, no, beyond all. Can you keep believing that the Messiah is here and the work that he can do and what he is able to do is, is here? 
Folks, I'm telling you here that if we can keep on believing that God's grace and his goodness, we've got loved ones, we've got relatives, we've got friends that need to be saved. God can save them. The Lord can save them. He can reach them. Praise the Lord. And we've got problems we deal with. And sometimes they're like they're over our heads. But you say, no, no, Lord, your grace is bigger than this. Your grace is bigger than this. And I believe you. I believe you with all of my heart. I'm talking to you the power of faith. But faith must come from us. Grace from Jesus. But faith must come from us. Now look what happens here. He says, be only believing. Now verse 37, and he suffered him not to follow him except... Suffer means allow not no man to follow him except Peter and James and John, which is a brother of James. They were two brothers. Jesus said, Peter, James, and John, you guys come with me. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and the ruler of the synagogue seeth the turmoil and them that wept and wailed greatly. All the people were crying for the baby had died. I say baby, she's a 12-year-old girl. She had died. And here it was all happening. And it was all over with. Verse 39, and when he was come in, Jesus said to all of them that was crying and weeping and wailing and carrying on and tears running everywhere, Jesus said to them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Huh. Jesus told them that she's not dead, she's sleeping. Now, now look at verse 40. And they laughed him to scorn. Ha 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 ha. Did you hear what he said? She's not dead. She's sleeping. Where you been, George? You know, where you, where, where'd you come from? You know, are you the one Jesus that he went to get and said, if he could get here, he could be, he could be, he, she could be healed. What are you, who are you kidding? Did he take the father and the mother and the damsel, and that is and Peter, James, and John, and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. Praise the Lord. And he had said to them, she's, and they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, get out of here, because where there is doubt, folks, it can hinder faith. And Jesus did not want any doubt in there. He said, get out. So they went outside the door and he shut the door. So inside the room where the woman, the girl was laying up on her bed was Peter, was Jesus, Peter, James, and John, and the two parents mother and father and they were standing there and outside was the people doing this who does he think he is what's he think he's going to do you understand the attitude of people and people get this kind of attitude toward Christ and they have that toward God and you and I must say Jesus I'm still believing your word Listen, folks, there's a lot of crazy things going on in this world and a lot of crazy beliefs that's being thrown out upon the world today, all over the world. Uh, you, you could, in Europe, in America, 
in the Middle East and in, in, over, in, uh, over in Asia. There's all kinds of crazy beliefs of all kind. And you and I must keep saying, no, no, no. Praise the Lord. It's one God. Jesus Christ is God Almighty manifest in flesh. He can do all things. There's nothing he can't do. And one of these days we'll walk streets of gold. One day we'll walk streets of gold. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We may see the Lord's coming. We may not see the Lord's coming. But I want to just, I'm talking about some of us that's older in years and some of us in bad health. We may not see it, but we'll walk streets of gold together. And I'm just trying to say here, don't let anything take away that faith that you've got in the Lord. Because the Lord is going to fulfill his word and his promises to us. Every last one of them. Praise the Lord. And so he put them all out and they just thought it was a big joke. <clears throat> then verse 41. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha uh, uh, Kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. Praise the Lord. And I want you to notice here that everybody, those people outside, they had to be like this. I mean, you talk about jaw dropping and mouth open and eyes big and wondering, how did we miss this? You know, but I'm just trying to say here, Keep on believing in the Lord. God will never fail you. He'll never fail you. He'll never fail any of us. God is so very faithful in all of these things. So Jairus went on and he found the uh, the healing that he needed. Praise the Lord from the Lord. I want you to go to Mark 10 for a moment. Mark 10. Praise the Lord. This is an interesting. Look at this closely. I have some reason for referring to this healing situation. This is Jesus and his disciples going through Jericho. And I'm reading here in uh, chapter 10, verse 46. Blind Bartimaeus. Okay. They came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, that was the name of the man, the son of Timaeus, the word in the word in uh, in Hebrew there, Bar is son of, just like Johnson or Jackson is son of Jack or son of George. What I mean, John. He goes on to say here, the son of Bar of Timaeus, sat by the wayside, begging. God bless him. Sit by the wayside begging. Just at the mercies of people, whatever little bit you give me, whatever you will help me with. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, blind Bartimaeus cried out. Now look at this very closely here. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
all kinds of people, all kinds of words, but he cried out and shouted, Jesus, thou son of David. Where did he get that? Where did he come up with that thou son of David part? They tried to shut him down. Verse 48. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Be quiet. Shut up, Barnabas. You don't have no business saying nothing. Just be quiet. Be quiet. Sit still. Sit there on the ground. Keep begging for alms. But don't cry out. But the Bible says, but he cried the more a great deal. You're not shutting me up. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, it's interesting that he would say the son of David because when he said that, he was acknowledging, folks, that this one passing by, he couldn't see him. From all that he had been hearing, the one passing by was the Messiah. And he had no doubts that the Messiah was the son of David and the son of David was the Messiah. And what he was expressing was his faith in who Jesus really was. Jesus was, praise the Lord, the Messiah. Now, I'm going to turn over here for just a moment over to uh, to uh, First Corinthians. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 11. Just very briefly here, I want to read this. And this is... Uh, <clears throat> am I in the right place? Okay, this is the Lord talking to uh, David. Verse 11, shall come to pass when thy days be expired that thou must go to be with thy fathers. And I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. This is God talking to David now when David was coming to the end of his life. They goes on to say, God is speaking to David and says, He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. He's talking about this seed of David now. And I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will take my I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him that was before thee. But I will settle him in mine house and in mine kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forevermore. And then David responds to that in verse 16. And in verse 17, David says these words. And yet this was a small thing in thine eyes, O God, for thou hast also spoken of thy servant's house for a great while to come. So what he was doing here was letting him know that I am aware that there is coming another one after me, praise the Lord, and that he is going to be, David said that, and he's going to be the Messiah, and he would be called the son of David. Later on over in Isaiah, Isaiah 42, 1, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom mine soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Down in verse 7 of that 
Isaiah 42. Verse 7, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. He's talking about this son of David now, this uh, Messiah coming. Verse 16, I'm still in this same 42 chapter, 42nd chapter of Isaiah. Verse 16, and I will bring forth the blind by the way that they know, that they knew not, and I will lead them in paths that they have not known, and I will make darkness light before them, and crooked paths straight. These things will I do unto them, and not forsake them. And so this is a prophecy here, and somehow or another, this man, Bartimaeus, though he was blind, he knew that there was prophecies that this son of David, Messiah, when he would come, he would open blinded eyes. So he's sitting by the wayside. Jesus is passing by. Praise the Lord. There is the, there is the grace of God right there, out there in the edge of the street. And Bartimaeus sitting by the wayside, and he is the faith that needs to respond and he goes a little bit further, though, says, Jesus, have mercy on me. He says, thou son of David. And when he says it, he's declaring, I know who you are. I know you're the Messiah. I know you're the one that's been promised to come. And I know you can do this because it's in the word. Isaiah said it, that when you come, you would open our blinded eyes. You understand what I'm saying here? And it was his calling out aloud. And they tried to say, be quiet here, Bartimaeus. You're a nobody. Be quiet. Be in, just be insignificant. Just hold your peace. And he says, no, no, no. Never, no. I won't ever be quiet because I know who this is. And I know what he's come to do. And I know what he can do. And I believe him for it. Praise the Lord. And I know that if he will touch me, I can be healed. Because it's in the word. He may have never seen the word. He may have been blind all of his life, but maybe his father read it to him. Maybe his mother read it to him. Maybe a, some older sibling in the family read it to him and said, this is what it says, Bartimaeus, it says here, you know, about the Lord when he comes, the Messiah, that he's going to heal the blind and everything. And he knew it was in the word. So when they were by the side of that crowd, he could hear that noise coming and it got closer and closer and he could tell that it was right out there in front of him. He could tell by his hearing of it. And he thought it won't be any different than right now. And he says, Jesus, thou son of David. Notice he said that. He didn't say Jesus. didn't say that only. Have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David. Because the word Jesus, praise the Lord, uh, you know, it simply means that God is with us. But in this case, or it means God is with us as Savior. But here when he said, thou son of David, he was identifying, I know exactly who you are. And I know, praise the Lord, that's in the word that you can heal and you will heal those that are blind. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, we love you so much. God, we thank you, Jesus. You're so great. You're so good. Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy to your people. Thank you, God, for the grace of God that's been extended to us. In so many ways, give us the faith to hold fast to you, Lord. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to read verse 48 
And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried to much more, Thou, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, <coughs> saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise. <coughs> he calleth thee. And he, Bartimaeus, casting away his garment. He didn't hang on to it. I'm thinking here, maybe he said, I don't think I'll ever need this again. But I know who I'm going to be talking. I know who's calling me now. And he threw that garment aside. And he came to Jesus. And everything, had to lead him right up there. Verse 51, Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Jesus knew what it was that he was, why he was responding. Thy faith hath made thee whole. You believe in me. You know who I am and you called upon me. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I'm not going anywhere else, but stay right with Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, folks. And I'm telling you here that this is the wonderful things about the Lord. Now, I've got just a few minutes. I want to go to Hebrews for a moment here. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. And chapter 11 is all about, is a book on faith. And the point that I want to make out, I could read several verses here, and I've got all kind of verses to read to you here, but my time is getting away here. And uh, in Hebrews here. But in these, in these points here, it says here that by faith, Abel, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He offered a sacrifice. Faith always requires an action, folks. Faith is not something you just believe in your head, but it requires an action on our part. Faith requires an action. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. He built an ark. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place that he would have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went. And he goes on to talk about all the things that happened with all these people, with Abraham and so forth. Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he has come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Refusing and choosing, verse 25, rather to be suffered the affliction of the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. By faith, Moses, goes on to say that he, he kept the Passover. The Bible talks about that he, he left Egypt and he followed the Lord. Praise the Lord. But by faith, they did something. They didn't just say, do nothing. Okay, the gospel is preached. Jesus died on Calvary that I might be saved. Okay, that sounds good. Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe it. No, no, no. It requires more than that. There's an action. There's an action required of us when we hear about Jesus paying the supreme sacrifice that we might be saved. What is it? It's repentance, being baptized, Jesus' name filled with the Holy Ghost. This is, this is very elementary and everything, but look in, uh, look in Acts 2.38. You know, you know it yourself. Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Ghost fell. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. That's all these people gathered around 
Peter and the apostles and uh, and the rest of Peter and the rest of the apostles. Men and brethren, what shall we say? What shall we think? No, no. What shall we do? There's an action involved here. If I'm going to respond to the grace of God and I'm going to exercise faith, there's going to have to be a response. This is what Peter said in verse 38. Then Peter said to them, repent. This is what they had to do now. This is action involved. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for mission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for, verse 39, for the promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Most of you know it by heart. And I'm pointing out simply that repentance and baptism was required as an action of faith. It's an act of faith. Just like those Bartimaeus had to cry out. Just like the Jairus had to go to Jesus. Just like they had, you know, all these actions that they did. There had to be an action involved. It talks about the children of Israel walking around the walls of Jericho. By faith, they marched around the walls of Jericho six days. March, 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 march. For six days, once a day. And then on the seventh day, they marched six times. One, two, three, four, five, six. Nothing happened. And on the seventh time, they marched around, blew their trumpets, and the walls fell down. And the Bible says they did it by faith. They kept marching because they believed. They believed that God, who was the God of all heaven, praise the Lord, would act upon their faith by them doing and fulfilling what they were required to do. Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to look at 19 here, for instance. I'm going to just confirm Acts chapter 2 here, and I'm closing out with here. Uh, Acts 19 and uh, 2. Old hat here, Paul, and he went to uh, uh, Caesarea and found 12 disciples there. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Notice here that it was expected of them to have the Holy Ghost after they believed. Now, you're a believer? Yes. You have faith? Yes. Okay. You should have the Holy Ghost. Do you have it? They said unto him, we have not so much heard of there being the Holy Ghost. We don't know anything about it in the Holy Ghost. What Holy Ghost are you talking about? He said unto them, what then were you baptized? You know, how were you baptized? He's trying to get to the basis of their religious beliefs. And they said unto John's baptism. John the Baptist is what they were referring to. Oh, Paul said, oh, I see. I understand now. You don't know any more about the gospel than what John the Baptist had originally preached, said to believe on him who would come after him. So here's what he says here. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That believe on Jesus. That is on Christ Jesus. Oh, Christ Jesus has come. Yes. When they heard this, they said, well, thanks for letting us know. Is that what it says? When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus because being baptized was an act of believing. You understand what I'm saying? It's, an, it's faith in action. 
for salvation. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and prophesied, showing that how the baptism of the Holy Ghost came on them. So what I'm pointing out to you folks here is simply that there is a, with faith, there is an action involved. It's not a thing where we simply believe with our head, believe in our minds, but we put in action and all through the Bible, wherever men and women would put their faith into action, God would respond in such a powerful and a wonderful and an awesome way. Now, let me just say this in closing here tonight, and that is that the Lord's coming soon. There's a lot of crazy things going on, and I, 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 I'm, I got so many things stacked up on my desk about things happening in the world and events and so forth. And I know it's not long, but you and I, we must hold fast to the faith. Keep the faith above everything else. Don't let this crazy world pull you away. Try to help your children and your grandchildren and those that you have influence over. Try to help them to say, I love Jesus and I want to walk with the Lord and hold fast to the faith because one day, folks, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And the Lord is coming back for his people. Praise the Lord. And I want you to know that I don't think he's very far away. And there's people out there right now that's wondering, what do I need to do? Where can I go? How can I find what I need? And it's right here. It's right here. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together and let's give him the praise and the glory. And let's just thank him right now for his goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. God, what a wonderful Savior you are. What a wonderful friend you are. Oh, Lord, thank you for the word of God. God, you have promised never to leave us nor forsake us. God, you're with us always, Lord. God, you've got your hand on your people, Jesus. And we trust in you and believe in you with all of our heart, Lord. And we glorify you and we praise you. Would you just lift your hands to up? Let's just praise him together. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank him right now. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, your power, your spirit, your great grace, your goodness, your love. Thank you for all the things that you've done for us and that you're doing. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in his name. Praise the Lord.